I get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. And we are here on the Second Helpings podcast episode of Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March. And we thought we'd just give you kind of have a conversation about some of our favorite dishes this year and some of the... Some of the restaurant locally, the things that we got excited about and we're happy about. Some of the memorable things we ate. Yeah. Yeah. So... What do you got? What What was your favorite? Do you think you have like a favorite dish of the year? Could you do that? I, I don't think I can, just to be preempted. I can, and I have you two. You can. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and and I went back and I looked through my Instagram feed because I was like, well, you know, maybe these were because they were the more recent. Yeah. But when I went through my feed. That happens when we do like, when I do the new roundups, I'm always like, well, this was the last six things that I ate. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, I did look at my Instagram and there were definitely some things that stood out to me. So I would say there were two dishes that I had. And I don't want to use the word best because I think that's subjective to everybody. But there were two dishes that I, when I was eating them, just felt like, whoa, this is revelatory like I have never had anything like this and B this is so much better than I even thought it was going to be and the taste just stayed with me mm-hmm. one was the cockles at in bloom oh now cockles like I'd never really seen that on a menu and it turns out I actually googled it because I was like they're cockles, just clams they're clams yeah um it's- but but the that dish was these clams that were in like a corn sort of elote sauce it was Almost like sautéed corn that maybe then was whipped up in a blender because it was sort of like soupy. Was it a velouté? I I feel like it was. Okay. It was creamy. It was um, like in the bottom of the bowl and then the cockles were on top. It it was garnished with these really pretty flowers. And then it also had like this little crispy, bread, crummy, crunchy topping. Yeah. And it just was, I've had it three times there. I love it so much. Have you really? Yeah. It's to me just... It's briny, it's sweet from the corn, and it's creamy, and it's salty, and it's just, it was a great dish. Wow. And beautiful. Yeah. That's lovely. Have you had it? No. Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh, Mm-mm. Stephanie. No, I've, I, I'm like on the shy end of things at in Bloom because I've gone for two specialty dinners where everything was already picked for us. Yeah. And then um, and then a third, I went for lunch, and I was with another person who she was doing the purchasing and the buying and yep. so that was her choices um and i love that mortadella sandwich the venison mortadella sandwich is i mean that to me is an unbelievable thing but i did have um we popped in and did a recording for twin cities live uh-huh. and we had some dishes put in front of us that were spectacular but that wasn't one of them but the langoustines there those beautiful soft little baby like lobster tails that are just in this poached liquid so delicate, so beautiful, soft. so soft. I loved them. I loved them. Those were spectacular. But I haven't had cockles because I did have cockles in Wales. Because cockles are huge in Wales and they are all over everything. And that was one of those weird things. That was maybe one of the things that is one of those, sadly, I can't say like 
you know, oh, go to Wales and go get this. But having this uh, stuff called lava, and it's this sort of a seaweed paste that I thought would be disgusting, and it was so good. And it was very cool with eggs on toast with cockles. Okay. I had a, speaking of just traveling meals, just for a second, there's a place in Las Vegas that was off the strip that I found this year called Flock and Fowl. Yeah. And they had a, it was sort of a Korean-inspired a bibimbap bowl, yeah, that had just all those crispy bits of rice and an egg on top, and this delicious, like spicy, salty umami-ish sauce, yeah. And then um, these shrimp with the heads on, yeah, that you could eat, yeah, because that's another thing I've eaten this year. I've eaten shrimp a couple of times where you eat the whole body, the whole thing, yeah, yeah. It's a special kind of shrimp. Um, so that was a great dish when I looked back, it, I had it in more closer to the beginning of the year, but that's flock and fowl. If you want to check that out, they have in Las Vegas, you yeah, said? they started out as a food truck and now they've got a brick and mortar. Oh, that's good. Um, my other second dish though, that you can get locally that it's seasonal. So I have a feeling they'll mix these up, but there's a place on Grand Avenue that's opened this year called Hyacinth. Yeah. It's about 40 seats. It's kind of a neighborhood bistro, a little bit upscale feeling, but very cozy and warm inside. Kind of someone likened it to sort of Lucia's in Minneapolis. I did that. Yeah. It (laughs) it was you. It was me who said that. I had this salad there that when I ordered it sounded like kind of like, oh, a salad. And when it came, it was just so much more than just a traditional like salad. It was rutabaga that was roasted. It had apples. It had almonds. It had like a white cheddar. And there was something like citrusy and a tart with the dressing. But all of these like roasted vegetables presented like in a salad was so delicious. And I just that salad was so good. I keep wanting to go back and just order that salad. Yeah, they're actually being starting to get known for these three bean salads and a lot of their salads. One, my favorite dish there is actually, Dara wrote on our blog, the MSP Mag blog, her favorite dish of the year, I kind of go with, along with it for Hyacinth, is the cacio e pepe. I had that and it which was is, great. Because he does something to the peppercorns before. He doesn't just take regular peppercorns. He like sautés them in olive oil or does something to them that creates such a richness to that pepper. It's not just that heat. But then it's so simple. Cacio e pepe is just pasta in pepper and parmesan. And it's just with like a little bit of butter and olive oil. But I mean, it is so simple, but it is, it's done a lot of ways. That's just sort of a throwaway. And it's super rich and intentional there. And I think that's one of the best ones. Can you think of a dish? Because I'm going to say one and you're just going to like be like, oh, can you think of a dish that's at like a classic restaurant that's been around for a long time that like maybe you rediscovered? Because for me, I rediscovered the papillette at Gianni's, which is... This gigantic hash brown bowl, mm-hmm. and inside it is cheese and sour cream and onions, and it's delicious in all of the ways that make you feel like your heart is having yeah, a little I can't bit of do a palpitation. That That's I love too much it. for me. It's it, it was it's like why I love nachos. To be honest, like it's got all of that, like the salt, yeah. the crunch, the oniony, the cheese, the sour cream. It's just all of it in just this delicious hash brown. It's they're so it's a, called a papillette. I yeah, it's a weird thing, but it's delicious. Yeah, was yeah. there something you had like that was a classic somewhere? No, I mean, I it's hard for me to have classics. It's hard for me to go back to places necessarily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm always kind of having to try the new stuff, and I don't have a lot of 
don't have a lot of nights open to kind of go back. But I will tell you that one of the things I loved, um, which is not a new restaurant necessarily, is the Caro no Misa and the matcha noodles. In fact, I'm thinking I might go get some right now that I looked at this <laughs> picture. And I was like, because there's the matcha green udon noodles and it's in this simple broth. And again, it's that richness and that nourishing thing. And it's just so, it's just a simple soup, noodle soup. And it's I think- so beautiful. Of all the things I've eaten there, and I've been there a couple times, so it's not like I've been there a ton, but that was my favorite dish Yeah, there. Yeah. I think also last winter, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite dishes was the Sunday bolo. It was the Sunday bolo tradition that I picked up from Meyer and Easy and that took it on. And then the kids and I, you know, with Jake and sometimes Matt would come over and we would, it would just be Sunday afternoon would be a three hour cooking of bolognese on the stove. And that is just kind of... I kind of that was one of my favorite home food traditions and and sort of also, you know, just on a Sunday night, you know, it's like we don't really go out anyway. So Sunday is for both Steph and I, I think it's fair to say the day of rest. Like we really try not to go out on Sundays or schedule things if we can. Right. Um, do you, what recipe do you use for your bolo again? Was it Steph Meyer's recipe or was it a yeah, Marcella Harzan recipe? No, I don't know who's, the, I mean, it was Meyer sent it to me, okay. what they, and then they had, you know, they had been perfecting it and then I tweaked it a little bit more. Um, I feel like we put it up on It's the, on your Instagram. Okay. And it's also, yeah, you're right. If you search it on the Instagram, you can definitely find it. Um, one of the things that I was really excited by this year was the ramen at Tori Ramen. Mm-hmm. Um, I still continue to be completely mad when I can't get there. You know, I just feel like that is a that is a ramen shop that is so nice because they are because their noodles are gluten free and their broth is uh, not pork based. It's chicken based. And so both of those things tend to make you think it's not going to be, you know, it's going to be a lesser than model. And it is so much more. It has almost opened them up to have that creative flow to kind of take things out of the tradition and to kind of play with it a little bit. And I, their ramen has been one of my favorite. It's a great ramen shop. I, I liked, um, I had a really wonderful dinner at Bardo in Northeast. Yes. I really like what he is doing over there. Um, some delicious fresh pastas, everything very seasonal and just kind of a nice portion sizes. You know, I just felt like that was a really complete, like lovely bistro meal. Yeah. Oh, and the sommelier there really did a great job. It was a woman. And she just recommended wines that I would have never thought that ended up to be perfect. Was it recently or was it a while back? It was recently. Okay. I know the woman who was there before Sarah, she's no longer there. Which Where'd she go? Said. She went to, back to Denver. She and her husband went back to Denver. Oh. Yeah. And that was, you know, but I, I feel like you may not have, it may have been different. You know what I mean? Like you may have had their new one. So that's good. Yeah. I think I did. One of the, it was recent. Like yeah. within the last two months. Yeah. And she's wonderful. Um, I think it might have been Christine. Okay. Um, one of the things that I'm excited about and am so happy for is the, uh, pineapple and pork fried rice at lat 14. <laughs> I've which, still not had it. I know. Which I'm is like the so only one in the world. Funny because it is so good and so fun. And I'm so, so happy that these dishes and this food from Anna Ahmed is breaking ground in Golden Valley. You know, it's just like. I love the fact that we don't have to have just our restaurants. You know, Chicago, there was a big article about Chicago and questioning the food scene in Chicago. And one of the things that they had said was that Chicagoans can't grasp any sort of ethnic food outside of like China. Like they can't see like there's a Chinese restaurant outside of Chinatown. Oh, my God. It's revelatory. And I think we're lucky in a weird way that we never have that. Our Eat Street 
is full of so many different ethnicities and different, you know, kind of foods and cuisines from American to Thai to, you know, Vietnamese, all of it. But then we also seem to, we have no problem with like visioning it outside, like closer to our homes. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea because that is why Lap 14 is packing it in in Golden Valley where she's cooking food and she and her kitchen team are really pulling from different um, different backgrounds and different family recipes that they all bring to the table and experiment and play around with uh, Southeast Asian food. So, um, I think we would be remiss for me if we didn't mention uh, Chef Jamie Malone. Yeah. She just really... I had some gorgeous meals there um, this last year. I feel like she just is elevating her game. We named her as Chef of the Year at MSP Mag. All right. She was our Chef of the Year because... Not only is, uh, you know, Grand Cafe killing it and earning all these national accolades. I mean, her food was on the cover of Food and Wine. Yeah. So that's amazing. But uh, she's also, with what they're doing with Eastside, I think is very interesting. And really bringing some large format dining and thinking about how we eat. And, like, let's all go and sit down to a big platter of roast chicken and then have all the little accoutrements with it and kind of eat sort of communally. I like that idea, too. Yeah, I th- communal eating is a trend that uh, there's going to be more like family tables, I guess, supposedly. Yeah. Um, more family style dishes. And um, I want to just, I I got turned on to this um, distillery this year that's out of Chicago that I've been researching. And it just, the most beautiful packaging in the world, Koval. Koval? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the liquor from Chicago? Yes. And I found their cranberry gin, which I just, I'm crazy about it. I actually mix it with a little bit of rum, surprisingly, and have it on the rocks. Someone uh, put that up and it's, it was, I don't know why that works, but it does. Yeah. Um, but they also have these like really tall, narrow little bottles of all these different types of liqueurs that they make. They oh. have these beautiful labels. So if you're someone that's into liqueurs and trying to mix different things, I would check that out. That was really, I didn't, I was like, how is this? distillery in Chicago. I've been to Chicago a million times and I've never run across this. So I'm going to check that out next time I'm in Chicago. Yeah. They've had, they've had a whiskey on the market for a while, which I didn't love. And so I've kind of haven't, it was a little too weedy for me uh-huh. um, and a little too young, but maybe, I mean, I hadn't, plenty of people have mentioned that they have taken your recommendation for that cranberry liqueur. It's really good. And people love it. Speaking of Jay Carver and their rye uh, whiskey that they yes. released this year yeah. has been a huge favorite at our house. Oh, yeah? Yeah. A but... lot of rye. Like Tattersall as well. They did a great rye. And um, somebody else had a rye that I was thinking of that was really wonderful. Um, Studio Distilling, I think they had a rye. That's, a, that's close to here in St. Paul. Um, did you eat any, like... Skyway or food truck food or anything that kind of stands out that just maybe wasn't like sit down restaurant dining? Well, um, you know, Skyway food is so strange because mm-hmm. it's really hit or miss. Um, I did not really hit the food trucks this year. That's really funny that you mentioned that. I really realized that I was not, um, I was not food trucking this year. I don't know why and that remember, is. I remember like it was such a big deal when it yeah. happened. Anamale's barbecue yeah. opened. That's a food truck at Abel Brewing. That might be the closest, but I, I, there's a there's a great place in the Skyway uh, called, I've seen this, I'm going to get it wrong. It's like, it's called Pagao or it's Pod Pagao. And it's um, kind of over by LaSalle Plaza. Mm-hmm. And it is spectacularly authentic uh, Vietnamese food. So. Yum. We're going to actually, a friend of mine at work and I, he said that their their level two hot sauce is almost too much for him. So 
I, so we're going to do some heat seeking in the skyways this year. Oh, I like that I idea. Know. You know what? One thing that a really simple dish that was beautiful and perfect and affordable and a thing that is completely soul satisfying was the grilled cheese sandwich at All Square. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and they I have such a good story. Well, they do. And they're doing great things. And it fits all into that social justice thing where they're trying to be more than a restaurant. They're trying to educate and further people's lives who've been previously incarcerated and give them second chances and teaching them how to function, you know, and, and to look forward instead of back. But beyond that, the grilled cheese sandwich is a legit grilled cheese sandwich. Like, this is the hard part. I find grilled cheese sandwiches where you're like, you order them and you hope for the best and you hope for that it's going to be super cheesy. And oftentimes it's either too much bread and not enough cheese or the cheese is not cooked enough. It's not, you know, beautifully done. It's just there's a lot of times I find... There's an imbalance, and I have to say, All Square measures up completely with beautiful grilled cheese. You know, speaking of sandwiches, that dipped in debris Chicago beef. That was that I had, one of your favorites? It was very good. Very good. I like Chicago beef, but I'm, you know, it's not like I'm crazy where I have to seek it out, but it was like the best Chicago beef sandwich I've had. Yeah, I don't ever, yeah, I don't think, you know what? My, if I was going to pick a sandwich for the year, I would pick the uh, radish, the butter radish sandwich from Lowry Hill Meats, where then I ask them to put ham on it. So I think it's supposed to be a vegetarian sandwich, but so then I turn out with ham, <laughs> butter, butter, radishes, Salt. and like watercress. And it is legit gorgeous and brilliant. Any Yum. kind of time you want to put butter with ham, I'm there for you. It's all good. So that gives you kind of a wrap up of some of the best dishes that we ate. The last one I want to say is Kalita. Sure. I have to throw in Kalita oh, because sure. I recently had a dish there. Every dish I've had there has kind of given me a moment of like, wow. And I recently had, he put on a uh, fried green tomatoes dish on there with ranch dressing, which is kind of funny because it's supposed to be this Oaxacan, you know, sort of by way of Argentina. But I really think that... This is going to be a playground for him, for Danny Del Prado, and really kind of finding a way. And I got to say, that dish, I was like, wow. It just, there's so many things that have given me a wow at Colita. And I know that they're busy, and I know that they have reservations that are packed for months. But I would say, if that's a a thing you can plan for, I would go, I would go do that. What would you ever, like, because I got turned on to the Talmadge Farms green tomatoes that are pickled. Oh, I don't know that. Oh. Yeah. They're at the Golden Fig. Oh, yeah? They're from Duluth. It's crazy. I don't know why these green tomatoes are so amazing. Are so much but better. the texture's <clears throat> great. They're pickled just right. They're kind of spicy. Like, I could totally see breading that and frying it. Yeah, The pickling might be hard to bread, though. Well, I mean, I guess not. So you just take the tomato yeah, I suppose out you have and dry to, it off. Yeah, dry it off. I keep thinking that it's so wet, but you're right. Yeah, just dry it it's off. It's no wetter then... than an actual tomato. Fry that thing Yeah, up. and people oh, bread up yum. pickles all the time, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of great stuff in town. I think there's a lot of what's interesting if you talk, look at the trends, just overall for locally, I think the fact that we are seeing sort of a soul food moment with Funky Grits and Mama Sheila's and all these kind of, you know, Mama's Kitchen in St. Paul moving and ch- kind of becoming more, uh, you know, populated um, in and it's areas. time. Oh, God. Isn't so it time, time that we have some good soul food here? My yeah, gosh. I know. I mean, clearly. And then I also love the fact that there are becoming, you know, better restaurants in the suburbs. I think that that's a worthy yeah. thing, that it's not just city centric and like having Lat 14 in Golden Valley and even having Belcor out in Wyzetta, those kind of things. That's really interesting to me. I am interested to see some more paring down. 
some smaller restaurants locally, like Gavin is doing the 20, you know, seat demi. We kind of, after Piccolo closed, that hole hasn't really, kind of was filled by tenants, yeah, which tenants I Yeah, tenants is good. I think there's a lot of, I mean, actually Hyacinth is not a big place. It's a very small place. And I like to see that because I think there's something coziness about it, but it also actually bodes well for their survival if if the rent you know, situation has been done correctly, that they know that they can make enough money to pay the rent for on a small space. Um, that will make me happy, you know, because I think that that's you. There's longevity in that. There's sustainability in that. People can they can find workers, all of that. I think these huge places that get built, I just I don't know how they're all going to prosper. Um, should we mention uh, to I want to say her name is Kristen Taborski at Corner Table. Nope. Karen Tomlinson. Thank you. <laughs> Kristen Taborski is at Lynn Hall. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, I knew I had the name yeah. sort of right. Karen right. Tomlinson. I a think K we should mention her too because she became the queen of pork this yes. year, uh, mm-hmm. winning Koshan and um, really has done a great job of bringing Corner Table into yet kind another. of another iteration. And yeah. they've had so many great ones. Yeah, I agree that I think that that's a wonderful thing. So yeah, I still think that restaurant is one of the best in town. I do too. And I think maybe it needs, you know, another look from a lot of people so that they can kind of see, because she does do different food than Thomas. Yeah. You know, it is a little, it is a different sort of vein, but she's proven obviously that she knows, you know, how to cook pretty well. Yes. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Looking in the future. I mean, I think that locally we have a lot of people who are going to do some interesting things. I think there's going to be a lot more casual stuff coming, you know, and I think more fast casual. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. going to see a lot more kiosks and a lot more places like this little urban walk that opened, which is just, you know, you walk up, you punch your order in, the robots make the food and then it gets handed to you and you get to walk away. And I the, I don't know. I think the robot, the same thing with the beer, the self tap the beer thing. I, I don't know. Maybe because they have a low, they don't have to pay as much labor. They'll be able to make it. But I find them to be a little impersonal and I don't. You know, it's a little harder, but the next generation doesn't care as much. So maybe that's the way of the future. We saw some of that at Pizza Karma where you have your beer cup and you sort of pour your own beer with this magnetic system. And then the hand you don't washing pour your own station, um, but you put your cup down. They do that. Sorry, I yeah. did it because I was you were there. It. Yeah, but uh, it's just... a different system of um, them putting it together and it's a fast casual and it moves faster. Yeah. And then they had that cool hand washing station too. Yeah. There is a lot more automation coming and tech in the food world. And that's to balance out, you know, the labor statistics, which are, you know, it, the people just are not going into the restaurant industry as workers. And so that's a hard thing that we, we all want to eat there. Yeah, I know. And there's a lot of, that'll be the, the balance. That's what they have to do. They have to be creative, but restaurant people have always been creative. So Again, I think we'll find some we'll find a return to some of that finer things and to some of that opulence, but very limited and unfortunately it is going to be at the higher price points. I mean, but that's luxury and opulence kind of always has been. Yep. But it'll be a smaller and there'll be a few of them, but it will, you know, but we'll see a more I think a bigger proliferation of like those fast casuals. So. And more CBD. Ugh, I don't know place. if I'm ready for that. I'm 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 interested to see how it makes its way into the restaurant scene. Yeah, I mean it's definitely going to be in a lot of packaged foods. I don't know if it's being sold as a as an addition. I mean, but I do think that, you know, people are saying that the potential for, you know, marijuana to be legalized within the Minneapolis St. Paul area within the next year is very possible. With the new governor and a lot of city councils are for it. St. Paul kind of tried to vote on it early, and uh there's a lot of things that are people are pushing for it, and there are definite industries that are pushing for it because it is a new revenue strain, obviously. Um, 
And I think that there's a couple people who we know who have been in the food industry for a long time have been dabbling already in the cooking of things in other states. Yep. They may come back if it gets legalized, and we'll see how that goes. I All I know is that friends of mine who have been to Denver say that most of their servers are stoned most of the time, and they don't actually like that. So I don't know. Could be good. Could be bad. Could be... I have mixed feelings about it. I do, too. I, it doesn't make me super comfortable. I don't want my server to be drunk, either. So nope. I don't know why I want them to... I don't know why that's okay, either. But maybe... Maybe... I don't know. Maybe we're getting old. I know. I think maybe <laughs> we're getting old. Oh, <clears throat> uh, It happens to the best of us. Here it is. 2019, which is, of course... You know, almost to 2021. When you think about that, like, that's just a crazy date. It is crazy. All right. That is it for this edition of Second Helpings.